0: Chapter Six of The Moorland Cottage. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Laura. The Moorland Cottage by Elizabeth Gleghorn Caskell. Chapter Six. It was true that Mr. Buxton, as well as of his son, he had the seeds of imperiousness in him his life had not been such as to call them out into view with more wealth than he required with a gentle wife who if she ruled him never showed or was conscious of the fact herself looked up to by his neighbors a simple affectionate set of people whose fathers had lived near his father and grandfather in the same kindly relation receiving benefits cordially given and requiting them with good will and respectful attention such had been the circumstances surrounding him and until his son grew out of childhood there had not seemed a wish which he had not in his power to gratify as soon as formed again when frank was at school and at college all went on prosperously he gained honors enough to satisfy a far more ambitious father. Indeed, it was the honors he gained that stimulated his father's ambition. He received letters from tutors and headmasters prophesying that, if Frank chose, he might rise to the highest honors in church or state and the idea thus suggested as vague as it was remained and filled mr buxton's mind and for the first time in his life made him wish that his own career had been such as would have led him to form connections among the great and powerful but as it was his shyness and gene from being unaccustomed to society had made him averse to frank's occasional request that might bring such and such a schoolfellow or college chum home on a visit now he regretted this on account of the want of those connections which might thus have been formed and in his visions he turned to marriage as the best way of remending this armenia was right in saying that her uncle had thought of lady adela castlemaine for an instance though how the little witch had found it out i cannot say as the idea had been dismissed immediately from his mind he was wise enough to see its utter vanity as long as his son remained undistinguished but his hope was this if frank married erminia their united property she being her father's heiress, would justify him in standing for the shire or if he could marry the daughter of some leading personage in the county it might lead to the same step and thus at once he would obtain a position in parliament where his great talents would have scope and verge enough of these two visions the favorite one for his sister's sake was that of marriage with armenia and in the midst of all this fell like a bombshell the intelligence of his engagement with maggie brown a good sweet little girl enough but without fortune or connection without as far as mr buxton knew the least power or capability or spirit with which to help frank on in his career to eminence in the land he resolved to consider if as a boyish fancy easily to be suppressed and pooh-poohed it down to frank accordingly he remarked his son's set lips and quiet determined brows although he never spoke in a more respectful tone than while thus steadily opposing his father if he had shown more violence of manner he would have irritated him less but as it was it was the most miserable interview that had ever taken place between the father and son mr buxton tried to calm himself down with believing that frank would change his mind if he saw more of the world but somehow he had a prophesying detrust in this idea internally the worst was there was no fault to be found with maggie herself although she might have the accomplishments he desired to see in his son's wife her connections too were so perfectly respectable though humble enough in comparison with mr buxton's soaring wishes that there was nothing to be objected to on that score her position was the great offence in proportion to his want of any reason but this one for disapproving of the engagement was his annoyance under it he assumed a reserve toward frank which was so unusual a restraint upon his open genial disposition that it seemed to make him irritable toward all others in contact with him excepting armenia he found it difficult to behave rightly to maggie like all habitual cordial persons he went into the opposite extreme when he wanted to show a little coolness however angry he might be of the events of which he was the cause she was too innocent and meek to justify him in being more than cool but his awkwardness was so great that any man of the world has met his greatest enemy each knowing the other's hatred with less freezing distance of manner than mr buxton to maggie while she went simply on in her own path loving him the more through all for old kindness sake and because he was frank's father he shunned meeting her with such evident and painful anxiety that at last she tried to spare him the encounter and hurried out of church or lingered behind all in order to avoid the only chance they now had of being forced to speak for she no longer went to the dear house in comhurst though Erminia came to see her more than ever mrs brown was perplexed and annoyed beyond measure she upbraided mr buxton to every one but maggie to her she said any one in their senses might have foreseen what had happened and have thought well about it before they went and fell in love with the young man of such expectations as mr frank buxton in the middle of all this dismay edward came over from woodchester for a day or two he had been told of the engagement in a letter from maggie herself but it was too sacred a subject for her to enlarge upon him and mrs brown was no letter-writer so this was his first greeting to maggie after kissing her well sancho you've done famously for yourself as soon as i got your letter i said to harry Bish still waters run deep here's my little sister maggie a quiet creature as ever lived has managed to catch young buxton who has five thousand a year if he's a penny don't go so red maggie harry was sure to hear of soon from some one and i see no use in keeping it secret for it gives consequence to us all mr buxton is quite put out about it said mrs brown querulously and i'm sure he need not be for he's enough of money if that's what he wants and maggie's father was a clergyman and i've seen yamin with my own eyes on old mr buxton's mr lawrence's father cart and a clergyman is above a yamin any day but if maggie had had any thought for other people she'd never have gone and engaged herself when she might have been sure it would give offence we are never asked down to dinner now i've never broken bread there since last christmas whew said Edred. to this it was a disappointed whistle but he soon cheered up i thought i could have lent a hand in screwing old buxton up about the settlements but i see it's not come to that yet still i'll go and see the old gentleman i'm a bit of a favourite of his and doubt i can turn him round pray edward don't go said maggie frank and i are content to wait and i'm sure we would rather not have any one speak to mr buxton upon the subject which evidently gives him so much pain please edward don't well well only i must go about this property of his besides i don't mean to get into disgrace so i shan't seem to know anything about it if it would make him angry i want to keep on good terms because of the agency so perhaps i shall shake my head and think it great presumption in you maggie to have thought of becoming his daughter-in-law if i can do you no good i may as well do myself some i hope you won't mention me at all she replied one comfort and almost the only one arising from Edward's visit was that she could now often be spared to go up to the thorn-tree and calm down her anxiety and bring all discords into peace under the sweet influences of nature mrs buxton tried to teach her the force of the lovely truth that the melodies of the everlasting chim may abide in the hearts of those who play their daily task in towns and crowded populous places and that solitude is not needed by the faithful for them to feel the immediate presence of god no utter stillness of human sound necessary before they can hear the music of his angels footsteps as yet her soul was a young disciple and she felt it easier to speak to him and to come to him for help sitting lonely with wild moors swelling and darkening around her and not a creature in sight but the white specks of a distant sheep and the birds that shun the haunts of men floating in the still mid-air sometimes she longed to go to mr buxton and tell him how much she could sympathise with him if his dislike to her engagement arose from thinking her unworthy of his son frank's character seemed to her grand in its promise with vehement impulses and natural gifts craving worthy employment his will set supreme over all like a young emperor calmly seated on his throne whose furied generals and wise consulars stand alike ready to obey him but if marriage were to be made by due measurement and balance of character and if others with their scales were to be the judges what would become of all the beautiful services rendered by the loyalty of true love where would the rising up of the weak by the strong or the patient endurance or the gracious trust of her whose faith is fixed and cannot move she darkly feels him great and wise she dwells on him with faithful eyes i cannot understand i love edward's manners and conduct Caused her more real anxiety than anything else indeed no other thoughtfulness could be called anxiety compared to this his faults she could not but perceive were strengthening with his strength and growing with his growth she could not help wondering whence he obtained the money to pay for his dress which she thought was a very expensive kind she heard him also incidentally allude to runs up to town of which at the time neither she nor her mother had been made aware he seemed confused when she questioned him about these although he tried to laugh it off and asked her how she a country girl cooped up among one set of people could have any idea of the life it was necessary for a man to lead who had any hope of getting on in the world he must have acquaintances and connections and see something of life and make appearance she was silenced but not satisfied nor was she at ease with regard to his health he looked ill and worn and when he was not rattling and laughing his face fell into a shape of anxiety and uneasiness which was new to her in it he reminded her painfully of an old german engraving she had seen in mrs buxton's portfolio called pleasure digging a grave pleasure being represented by a ghastly figure of a man eagerly industrious over his dismal work a few days after he went away nancy came to her in her bedroom miss maggie she said may i just speak a word but when the permission was given she hesitated it's none of my business to be sure said she at last only you see I've lived with your mother ever since she was married, and I care a deal for both you and Master Edward, and I think he drains Mrs. of her money, and it makes me not easy in mind. You did not know of it, but he had his father's old watch when he was over last time but one. I thought he was of an age to have a watch, and that it was all natural, but I reckon he sold it, and got a Jim Crack one instead that's perhaps natural too young folks like young fashions but this time i think he has taken away your mother's watch at least i have never seen it since he went and this morning she spoke to me about my wages i'm sure i've never asked for them nor troubled her but i'll own it's now near to the twelvemonth since she paid me and she was as regular as a clockwork till then now miss maggie don't look so sorry or i shall wish i had never spoken poor mrs seemed sadly put about it and said something as i did not try to hear for i was so vexed she should think that i need apologies and any sort of thing i'd rather live without my wages than have her look so shamefaced as she did this morning i don't want a bit of money my dear i've a deal of it in the bank but i'm afraid master edward is spending too much and pinching missis maggie was very sorry indeed her mother had never told her anything of all this so it was evidently a painful subject to her and maggie determined after lying awake half the night that she would write to edward and remonstrate with him and that in every personal and household expense she would be more than ever rigidly economical for full free natural intercourse between her lover and herself could not fail to be checked by mr buxton's aversion to the engagement frank came over for some time in the early autumn he had left cambridge and intended to enter himself in the temple as soon as the vacation was ended he had not been very long at home before maggie was made aware partly through erminia who had no notification of discreet silence on any point and partially by her own observation of the increasing estrangement between father and son mr buxton was reserved with frank for the first time in his life and frank was depressed and annoyed at his father's obstinate repetition of the same sentence in answer to all his arguments in favour of his engagement arguments which were overwhelming to himself and which it required an effort of patience on his part to go over and recapitulate so obvious was the conclusion and then to have the same answer forever the same words, even. Frank, it's no use talking, I don't approve of the engagement, and never shall. He would snatch up his hat and hurry off to Maggie to be soothed. His father knew where he was gone without being told, and was jealous of her influence over the son, who had long been his first and paramount object in life. He needed not have been jealous however angry and indignant frank was when he went up to the moorland cottage maggie almost persuaded him before half an hour had elapsed that his father was but unreasonable from his extreme affection still she saw that such frequent differences would weaken the bond between father and son and accordingly she urged frank to accept an invitation into scotland you told me, said she, that Mr. Buxton will have it is but a boy's attachment, and that when you have seen other people you will change your mind. Now do try how far you can to stand the effects of absence. She said it playfully, but he was in a humor to be vexed. What nonsense, Maggie! You don't care for all this delay yourself, and you take my father's bad reasons as if you believed them i don't believe them but still they may be true how would you like it maggie if i urged you to go about and see something of society and try if you could not find some one you liked better it is more probable in your case than in mine for you have never been from home and i have been half over europe you are very much afraid aren't you frank said she her face bright with blushes and her gray eyes smiling up at him i have a great idea that if i could see that hairy fish that edward is always talking about i should be charmed he must wear such beautiful waistcoats don't you think i had better see him before our engagement is quite quite final but frank would not smile in fact like all angry persons he found fresh matter for offence in every sentence she did not consider the engagement was quite final thus he chose to understand her playful speech he would not answer she spoke again dear frank you are not angry with me are you it is nonsense to think that we are to go about the world picking and choosing men and women as if they were fruit and we were to gather the best, as if there was not something in our own hearts which, if we listen to it conscientiously, will tell us at once when we have met the one of all others there now I am sensible, I suppose I am for your grim features are relaxing into a smile that's right but now listen to this i think your father would come round sooner if he were not irritated by the knowledge of your visits to me if you went away he would know that we should write to each other yet he would forget the exact time when but now he knows as well as i do where you are when you're up here and i fancy from what erminia says it makes him angry the whole time you are away frank was silent at last he said it is rather provoking to be acknowledged that there is some truth in what you say but even if i would i am not sure i could go my father does not speak to me about his affairs as he used to do and i was rather surprised yesterday to hear him say to romina though i am sure he meant the information for me that he had engaged an agent then there will be the less occasion for you to be at home he won't want your help in his accounts i've given him little enough of that i have long wanted him to have somebody to look after his affairs they are very complicated and he is very careless but i believe my signature will be wanted for some new leases at least he told me so that need not take you long said maggie not the mere signing but i want to know something more about the property and the proposed tenants i believe this mr henry that my father has engaged is a very hard sort of man he is what is called scrupulously honest and honourable but i fear a little too much inclined to drive hard bargains for his client now i want to be convinced to the contrary if i can before i leave my father in his hands so you cruel judge you won't transport me yet will you no said maggie overjoyed at his own decision and blushing her delight that her reason was convinced it was right for frank to stay a little longer the next day's post brought her a letter from edward there was not a word in it about her inquiry or remonstrance it might have never been written or never received but a few hurried anxious lines asking her to write by return of post and say if it was really true that mr buxton had engaged an agent it's a confounded shabby trick if he has after what he said to me long ago i cannot tell you how much i depend on your complying with my request once more write directly if nancy cannot take the letter to the post run down to combehurst with it yourself i must have an answer to-morrow and every particular as to who when to be appointed etc but i can't believe the report to be truth maggie asked frank if she might name what he had told her the day before to her brother he said oh yes certainly if he cares to know of course you will not say anything about my own opinion of mr henry he is coming to-morrow and i shall be able to judge how far i am right chapter six